If you got your Bible, I'm going to go read a couple of chapters. I'm going to read uh, Genesis. Uh, I'm going to read Genesis 37. Then I'm going to read out of Matthew uh, chapter six. And as we get there, this is the third part of a series. I stumble into series, right? I never announce them. I, I just kind of stumble into them. Uh, one of the things that the Lord began to share with me this fall is that people are living outside of the understanding of what it means to be blessed. That there's a, a, there's a better way of living than from miracle to miracle. It's to live in this continual state of blessing. To walk in that. That God made man and that he instantly blessed him. He didn't wait. He made man and then he blessed him. And that blessing, even though Adam messed it up, he started again with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that blessing cannot be taken back. It cannot be reversed. I've spent a couple of weeks walking you through the Old Testament about when God blesses something, it, it can't be cursed, that it can't be reversed, that it, it's passed on from generation to generation. And that the way that you put blessing upon the children of Israel was that the priests would raise their hands. I do it every Sunday morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look you in your eyes and grant you his peace. And by doing that, you're putting the name of the Lord on God's people. And they did it every morning and they did it every night. And even though the witch doctors up in the mountains were trying to curse, the priests in the valley were evoking the name of God on God's people, Right? So if you've been here for a couple of weeks, you've heard me talk about this blessing, this putting on the name of God, this invoking down calling, this adding value, this, uh, uh, the, this change that takes place when God chooses a people for himself and gives them his name and uh, begins to call them out of darkness and begins to, and he empowers them. And he, he told Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others, say, for others' sake. It's all for the sake of others, right? This blessing isn't to just be merely consumed upon ourselves. I'm a little concerned about the consumption in America. I'm a little concerned about people that are just become consumers. They come to church because the preaching's good or the singing's good, and they're get to, they, they just are they're just consumers, and they're they're consumed with shallow thoughts. And shallow values lead to shallow lives. They they value shallow things, and if you live shallow values, you, then your goals and you know. Uh, so I, I'm always concerned about that. We, we are blessed to be a blessing, to bless others. And we're supposed to invoke the name of God and call other people what he's called them. So I'm going to go a little further this morning, and I'm going to do that by telling the story about Joe. And uh, then I'm going to go to the Beatitudes and kind of try to tie the old and the new together. Genesis chapter 37, you can stand for both readings or you can stand specifically for Matthew. It's, it's up to you. When I grew up, you stood when the word was read. Do you, do you mind standing? Thank you. If you have your Bible, I hope you charged it last night. My Bible is double charged, okay? Uh, Genesis 37, 3, reading from verse 3. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe, a coat of many colors. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed down low before mine. His brothers responded, so... 
You think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream. He said, the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? What a dream. Then Matthew 6, I'm going to read a few verses here, starting in verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, nor about your body, what you put on it. Is not life more than the food and the body more than the clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value? Say, much more. Mm. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is this day in its own trouble. Lord, I pray that our minds would be open, that uh, our hearts would be soft, that our ears would be clear, and that, Lord, your word would go deep down into our heart and take root and be implanted, that it might bear fruit in every day of our lives. And all of God's people said, you may be seated. Uh, Joseph, this favorite son of Jacob. I, I, I mean, it's just, it's just a great story. Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob will become Israel. And so Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the, Jacob is quite a guy. Jacob is the second born of Isaac, and, and yet he cahoots with his mother, and he and his mother cheat Esau, his brother, out of the blessing. How many of you know the story that Jacob goes and pretends to be Esau, and his father is blind, and his father gives him this thing called the blessing, and when he receives that blessing, then his brother is mad at him. His brother's very angry with him, and yet that blessing could not be reversed. And so uh, Jacob runs into the countryside, and, and he's, he's a fugitive, and he has this blessing, and he goes out there, and he found, finds this guy who's rich. His name is Laban, and he's raising sheep, and he, he will become his father-in-law. And Laban looked at him and said one day, Oh, please stay, for I have found favor in your eyes. I have learned by experience that because you're blessed, I'm blessed. There was so much blessing upon Jacob, the manipulative, deceptive second son. There was so much blessing on him that even when he went into a foreign country, the rulers in the foreign country said, hey, stay here. Because when you showed up, I begin to prosper. I mean, it's an interesting thing. The blessing of God will work upon people who really don't deserve it, but somehow they got it. And even when they go into a foreign country, it still works. Say with me, it's not locational. And it has no respect of person. 
Once the blessing of God is placed on a person, it works. And it works no matter where they are. And it works even if they're not very honest in it. The blessing worked. Even this would-be brother-in-law, who, who, if you know the story, the brother-in-law tricks Jacob, makes him work for seven years in order to get the love of his life. And then the night that he was supposed to get the love of his life, he sends in the wrong daughter. How many? And this is a crazy story, right? You think we live in bad times. I love it when, when people say, man, things have never been this bad. Well, go read the Bible. It's always been ugly. I'm serious. Humanity's always been ugly. I mean, you work seven years to get the bride of your choice, and your father-in-law tricks you and sends in the ugly girl? That's not fair. <laughs> you didn't get it. Jacob doesn't seem to slow him down. He works another seven years to get the pretty girl. So for 14 years, he works so that he can get the girl that he loves. Are you here? And during all that time, Laban, his father-in-law, is being blessed. And finally, one day, Jacob decides he's going to go back and face Esau, the brother that he deceived. And on the way back, the Lord interrupts him. Anybody know this story? It's in the book. On the way back, the Lord interrupts him. And the Bible says that the Lord wrestles with Jacob. And Jacob grabs a hold of God and says, unless you bless me, I'm not going to let you go. Now, this is interesting. The guy has manipulated himself into the blessing. The blessing has worked in a foreign country. He finally got the wife of his choice. He's going back to make amends to his brother, and he, he encounters the Lord. And this time he said, I, I'm not going to let go. I, I realized I got the blessing rather deceptively. This time it's not going to be my father, but you're, you're, you're going to confirm why. Well, because i got to go face that brother that really wants to kill me. But if I can make sure that I have the blessing of God, he can't kill me. Are you getting this? Think about how much they're saying about the blessing. Think about what the Bible now is telling. That if you have the blessing of God, you're in pretty good shape. Right? And so it, the Bible tells us that he wrestles with the Lord and the Lord blesses him. And how many of you know the story really well? You know that once he blessed him, he was no longer called Jacob. They called him Israel. And Jacob becomes Israel. And Israel would now walk with a limp the rest of his life. Because this man had... My grandmama used to say, Dwayne, don't you trust nobody that don't walk with a limp. What she was really saying is, until you've wrestled with the Lord, you can't be trusted. Until you've had to face the Lord at Peniel, this isn't about that. But if, until you've had that moment where you had to face your own deceptions. Until you've had that moment where you had to confess that you might not be what, until you've had to really repent over the fact that you really, really didn't deserve the blessing, but that you had it anyway. Are you here? Until you understand that the blessing was given, not because you deserved it, but because God loves you. And he, you walk with a limp the rest of your life, thanking God for this blessing. That's, on. that's enough. That's another sermon. I've, I've done a whole sermons about don't trust a man without a limp. That, that, that's Jacob. And Joseph is his favorite son. The son of his old age. You ever been around old man? Old men just tell stories about yesterday. I do it all the time. 
I sit around the kitchen table, and if I get a chance, I start telling some stupid story to my grandkids because I'm trying to impress upon them some lesson that if I just told them to go do it, they'll never listen to me. But if I tell some stupid cockamamie story and I weave the dog or the phone or something into it, I might get their attention. Old men just tell stories. Old men tell stories about how God blessed them here. God blessed them there. And God blessed them over there. God blessed them over there. My, my kids are now turning their phone on to catch my stupid stories. And just. And then the, I'll, I'll do, you want to know how I get these Facebook things? We're sitting around the table, and one of my kids goes, Dad, you ought, to, you ought to record that. Jacob sat around and told stories about the blessing of God. And Joseph listened. Joseph, his favorite son, listened to every one of his dad's stories about the blessing of God. Joseph grew up, went to sleep, hearing the story about how powerful the blessings are. What are your kids hearing? What are your grandkids hearing? I get tickled about old men now that talk about how bad the times are. Listen, we need to be telling the stories about how good God's been to us in every season of our life. We need to be telling stories about how the blessing of God worked here and the blessing of God worked here. And even when I was stupid, the blessing of God worked here. Joseph grew up hearing about how powerful the blessing of God is. And Jacob loved Joseph more than any of the children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob gave him a special gift. Man, anybody that listens to me for very long, I'm going to buy him a gift. You didn't get it. When I get one of them grandkids, they, they get... <laughs> no wonder Joseph fell asleep and had a dream. His dreams were born out of the knowledge of the blessings of God. I want my children to go to sleep and have dreams who finds its foundations and its source in the stories of how God is for you and not against you. I want my kids going to sleep dreaming dreams of how good God's blessing is. Joseph went to sleep and his dreams were framed by the blessings of God. Just pay attention to what you let your kids listen to. I don't care whether it's on TV or I don't care. But man, when they go to sleep, the source of their dreams should be God's blessing. Because when they go to sleep and the source of their dreams are God's blessing, they'll dream big dreams. They'll wake up in the morning and say, guess what I dreamed? I dreamed that the whole world was feasting at my feet. I dreamed that I was a ruler and that I had dominion. I, I dreamed that the world was my oyster. I dreamed that I could be president. I dreamed that I could make a difference. I, I dreamed that I could graduate with a math. I dreamed that God was going to be for me and not against me. I dreamed about how God's blessing was going to... Man, we could help our children with some of the nightmares they're having by just telling them different stories. Are you here? Joseph is just dreaming about how good God is to him. And he, and he starts telling his brothers. I don't think he was telling his brothers to be bigger than they. I think he was saying, do you know how blessed we are? I, I really think he was looking at his other brothers going, we, we're the children of Jacob. We're the children of Isaac and of Abraham. We're, we're, we're the blessed people of God. Come on. And, and I like every impetuous 16, 17-year-old, he always put himself at the top of the thing. 
Oh, well, he didn't. I mean, when he tells his father, his father is even, what kind of dream is that? A good one. What kind of dream is that? A big one. What kind of dream is that? The best kind. That God's working for me. Man, if someone walks up to you and starts telling you some great big dream about what God's going to do in their life, you need to be going, that's good. Not like, oh my God. How many times have we listened to people dream real big and we went, who do you think you are? Right? Because that's exactly what the brothers did. Well, who do you think? What makes you think? Well, you're just, you think you're dad's favorite. Yes, I do. I happen to think that God favors me. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm more than you, but hey, listen, what you think about God and what you think about yourself is rather important. I, I, I don't know whether you get this or not, but I, I, I tell every one of my grandchildren they're my favorite. I, I, I look at them and I go, what's Papa thinking? And, and Henley's got it really down. He'll walk in now, not even wait. He'll walk in, go into the room where I'm seated before anybody else gets there. He's four. He'll, he'll walk into the room and go, you love me. I'm your favorite. Yeah, okay. Blabber mouth. He goes, tells everybody. <laughs> Listen, you have to instill within your children that they're the favorite of God. That doesn't mean they have to be arrogant or elite about it, but they do have to be confident. They do have to be confident. They have, if they're going to live this world, they have to have courage that, that there's somebody that's for them, that somebody's got a plan for them, and somebody's working even the wrong. Oh, well, what a dream! But let me tell you, they'll kidnap you for that dream. They'll kidnap you. They kidnapped Joseph, threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. Right? You know the story. In the pit, in slavery. Where did you learn this, Pastor? Mrs. Shepherd, Severy, Kansas, basement, Severy Nazarene Church. In the pit and, and, and sold him. But it's interesting as I recant this story in my life is the blessing never stopped the blessing is not positional just because you get thrown into a pit just because you get sold into slavery does not mean the blessing goes away it doesn't matter what circumstances or situations you find yourself in the blessing works in any position the bible says his master saw that the lord was with him i wonder what that means how do you, when, you, when you look at a slave and he saw the Lord was with the slave, that sounds like what Laban said to Jacob. I've noticed that when you're here, uh, my business prospers. Potiphar said, I've noticed that the Lord is with you. I'm not sure. Stay with me. And the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hands. You get this slave that you've bought from slave traders and he shows up in your house and your tomatoes produce more. He shows up in your house and your water heater doesn't go out. He shows up in your house. Am I making any sense? Your investments get better. And so Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. But how many of you know the story? Potiphar's wife saw he was good too. It's interesting. Potiphar's wife noticed that he was cute. Potiphar's wife wanted and she lied about the boy. Here you are just serving the master. The master is getting blessed, and you get lied about. How many of you know this story? 
And here you are a slave, and next thing you wake up, you're in prison. But the blessing doesn't diminish. The Bible says that the guard of the prison began to notice that the Lord was with Jacob. How do people know that the Lord is with you? Huh? I, I, I think, number one, you've got to recognize that your facial expression tells a lot. I mean, here you are thrown in a pit into slave with Potiphar, and he, didn't, he obviously didn't walk around with his head hanging down going, oh my God, I'm a slave. I think he shows up in prison and goes, okay, here we are. I think he shows up happy. Because why? Because he had a dream. He knew the dream was going to be bigger than the dungeon that he was in. And he put Joseph in charge of everything. And in that prison was the cupbearer of Pharaoh and the baker of Pharaoh, and they have this dream, and it's rumored that Joseph is wise, and they go tell Joseph the dream, and he gives them the dream, and you know one of them loses his head, and the other one gets out. And the cupbearer goes back, and he was supposed to remember Joseph when he got out. Have you ever been forgotten? I mean, you're just you're serving Potiphar, now you're serving the prison guard, and now, you know, you, you had a dream that hadn't come to pass, but they're asking you to interpret somebody else's dream, and your dream's never come to pass, but that guy's dream, you ever had somebody else's dream come to pass, and your dream still hasn't come to pass? Have, have you felt when your dream was the trashed, and their dream, what, uh, have you ever had to watch somebody else's dream come to pass, and you've been waiting for years? Oh, well. No one's excited yet. And he's forgotten. This, this slave, prisoner, forgotten. And I, wonder, I wonder what he was thinking. I wonder if it's important what you think when you're found in a pit and your dream still has. I wonder if what you think matters. I, I think he was thinking, I'm blessed. I think he's thinking, well... My dad had to serve 14 years in order to get my mom. I think he understood that sometimes the dreams and the blessings of God are not immediately transpired or brought to pass. I think he was just living in that prison, getting up every day going, today might be the day of that dream. I think he lived happy. I think if you could visibly see that the Lord was with him and had something to do with the demeanor that I think there was something that distinguished him apart from other slaves and other prisoners. I, I, I think he whistled. I, I think he knew that he was blessed and that if he was blessed, then whatever was going on in his life had to be part of a divine plan. It's interesting to me when people begin to think maybe they're blessed. Well, if you think maybe you're blessed, then it is you that has to change, not your circumstances. I believe it's a mindset. I believe that the psalmist tells the story in Psalm 105 and verse 16 says, moreover, he called for the famine. God called for the famine. He destroyed all the provision of bread and he sent a man before them who was sold as a slave. Now, wait a minute. The psalmist begins to write about Joseph and says that God sent him there. I thought he was a slave. The psalmist rewrites the story of Joseph and begins to clarify it from a different position. When it was written in Genesis, they threw him, he was taken. But when the psalmist writes it, he goes, wait a minute, God sent Joseph there. 
wonder how many times we are sent somewhere on assignment by God, but it doesn't look too cool. Joseph was sent there. God sent a man until the time that his word came to pass. Have you ever been sent somewhere to wait for the word to come to pass? What do you do in the midst of the waiting? That, that, and the king sent and released him, and the ruler let him go and made him the lord of his house and the ruler. See, God's the one that set the famine. God's the one that sent the man. God's the one that had this man in prison made prime minister all in one day. The God was in charge of something. God was behind something, working in the scenes. And later, Joseph would say, go tell my father that I'm the Lord of Egypt. Go tell my father that God put me in charge of this place. Go tell my father to hurry up and get here. God sent me here. I know why I'm here. I understand what's going on. It, God made me for this moment. The blessings that God has put on my life has brought me to this place because I'm going to be a blessing not only to Egypt, but even to the family that sold me into slavery. If this is going on in my life, it must be that God has me in this place to bless others. It must be that there is a plan. It's so interesting that they go get Israel and they all come and they live in Egypt and Finally, Israel dies, and the brothers now are just sure that Joseph is going to take his revenge. But this Joseph, sold into slavery, says, no, no, you don't understand. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. How did he know that? Let me tell you how he knew that. He had been told that they were blessed, and that blessing doesn't change church, I wonder what we're telling our children. I wonder if we value the blessing enough to begin to convince our children that no matter what life brings, listen, I was brought up, did a lot of the shaping and molding in my life in a word of faith uh, circle, and we were told if you had enough faith, you didn't have to go through that. You do know that's a lie. That's just not true. Sometimes those of us that have been blessed go through things that we are, it's hard to understand. But if we're going through it, it must mean that we're in this place because God wants us to release a blessing in this moment. Are you listening to me? The American culture twisted the message. But if you look at the history of the scriptures, you find out that God will send you into situations. And you are there for a reason. That's going on for a purpose. It may not be quickly to be able to be distinguished, but something's afoot. And if you wait, you'll, he said, listen, you meant it for evil, but God was working in my life, and he meant it for good, not just for me, but for you. Uh-uh. Hmm. Am I? What was he thinking? I, was think, I think he was thinking all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. I think that Joseph was looking for ways of blessing Potiphar, of blessing the prison guard, of blessing the cupbearer, and of the baker, and of Pharaoh. I think he was looking for ways to fulfill what the New Testament says when he says, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. I, I, I think he was looking for ways to bless those that curse you. I, I, I think he was 
trying to fulfill what Paul said when he said, bless those who persecute you. I think he was looking when he said, Paul said, when we are cursed, we blessed. I think that even when he had the opportunity to take revenge on his brothers, he looked for an opportunity to work in the opposite spirit. Listen, if we're truly blessed, we don't respond to our enemies the way they have attacked us. If we are truly blessed, we respond completely opposite than their response. We do turn the other cheek. We do go the other mile. We, if we, I'm not making any sense. See, this is the recovery of what it means to be alive in the blessing that when the rocks are being thrown at you, Stephen says, Father, forgive them. This is what Paul means when he says, I am a prisoner of Christ. Don't you know that made the Roman centurions mad? The Roman centurions had put the chains on him, and Paul goes, I'm not your prisoner, I'm his. If he wanted me to go, am I making sense yet? I I mean, how does that happen? I'm convinced that my preaching won't get this through to you. I'm I'm convinced that there's no amount of of explanation will get this through to people. Real expounding on the mercy and the love and the grace and the blessing of God. It has to be imparted. It has to come from, to. It, It has to be invoked on you. It has to come through some sort of spiritual... Listen, Pete, you didn't get this by flesh and blood, but the Spirit of God gave this to you. Even as I'm preaching this morning, I know some of you, it's going to go boom, and it's going to be imparted, infused into your life. It's going to be part of your DNA. It's going to change you. The Bible says that Jesus went around preaching peace to all those who were afar off. When he stepped into the upper room, the first thing he did was say, peace be unto you. He's called the Prince of Peace, the Son of Peace. He's the author of peace. This this man named Jesus, the Son of God, comes to the planet and and he fulfills Numbers chapter 6. Grant them your peace. Puts peace onto us. The distinguishing mark of a Christian should be that we have a peace that the world envies. The distinguishing mark of every one of you is that something has happened to you. That even in the midst of being in the pits of this world, you have this perfect peace that passes all understanding. That that you stand out as one who remains calm in the midst of a storm. You remain calm because you know you've been blessed. And the blessing is the impartation of the peace of God. Am I in your room yet? I can't teach this to you. It either gets imparted to you, receive the Holy Spirit, and come to peace. Know that God has blessed you, and He has a plan for you. And though in this world you'll have trouble, He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's going to work this together. Boy, this message needs to be hammered into America's consciousness today. I have this peace that comes. I, I think Joseph had this peace. So how does that tie into the gospel? Don't worry. Don't worry. Why would you worry? Why would you worry about what you could eat or drink or what you would wear? Why would you worry? Look up the birds. I'm taking care of birds. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm better than a bird. 
or a petunia. Look, Dad, look around you. Look at the petunias. They, they don't sow or reap or spin or toil. How much more valuable, how much more blessed are you than a bird or a petunia? Why would you worry? I'm giving you my peace. Why would you worry? I'm blessing you. Are you getting this yet? No wonder Jesus starts his ministry with this sermon. Don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. Don't be anxious about it. Don't worry about it. Just look at nature. In fact, there's a commandment in there. Don't worry. Don't. Touch your neighbor and say, it's a commandment. It's number 11. Don't worry. I'm going to take you places. I love verse 31. Matthew 6, 31. It says, therefore, do not worry. The NIV says, take no thought. Take, say with me, take no thought. I preached a whole series one time on hold that thought. Just hold. Take. Did you know if you don't take control of that thought, it will take control of you? I have news for you. I bet Joseph had moments that thoughts came and he took no thought. I ain't taking that thought. If I take that thought, that thought will take me places I don't want to go. Some of you are taken over by thoughts. Do you, you, you know what worry, the, the, the picture of worry in the Hebrew is this. Did you know that even the more you spin in worry, you end up in the same place that you started in. And now I'm dizzy. Worry will just spin you around and around and around. You won't move anywhere. You'll just be dizzy, out of balance. Don't quit spinning. Mm. Mm. CNN and FOX, they tell the same news, but they spin it two different ways. And it depends on what spin you want. But at the end of the day, I don't care which one you listen to, you're still just spinning in the way they spun the story. There ain't truth in either one. And the sooner you figure that out, the quicker you'll turn that crap off. You know what's going on? They've had you spinning about Dorian for 10 days. Or Epstein. Or some boat blowing up out in the southern count. Could you fix any of it? Let me just ask you a question. How many of you worrying about it could change a thing about it? Not one thing. It's funny to me, you go to bed with the same story, you wake up with the same story, you go to bed with the same, it's just the same old bad story. Why? Because they got to keep you spinning. This is better than you think it is. Don't spin about what the world's talking about. Don't spin about that. You're blessed. It doesn't matter what's going on, I'm still working in you a greater way to glory. It, it, it Listen, thoughts will take you places that you don't want to go. Isn't it funny how people are posting about what he told us not to worry about? I wore this. I ate. If I have to read one more time where somebody ate, do you know I don't care? <laughs> I don't care whether you had a double shot in your latte. Come on. I, that, that's not what... Yeah, I'll pray for you. If you tell me something, pray for I'll pray for you. But I, we're posting about what you wear. We're posting about survival and status. And everybody going, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> it's just shallow. It's all shallow. If you're going to worry about something, worry about something that's really deep. 
Worry about teen suicide. If you're really going to be concerned about something, be concerned about racism. Most of you in this room don't think it exists. I can introduce you to Martha and Charles. Because, see, most of you are too light to know that it does exist. You're just like every other Caucasian person. That does not exist. Maybe not in you. If we're going to be concerned about something, let's be concerned about human trafficking. Not about what we're wearing or eating. Come on, if we're really going to take... Oh, wow, that's too deep, right? <laughs> okay, I got to stop. Do you know you protect what you prize? How many know you protect what you prize? That whatever you prize, you, you take care of it. That our, your peace should be important to you, right? It really should be. Your peace, to live in God's peace is to understand that you're blessed. It should be important to you. It's interesting to me how many times my problems reveal to me how great his peace is. Sometimes his problems help me to clarify my priorities. Every time I lack peace, I realize there's some things amiss. And see, we prize what we value and we prioritize what we value. You, you've got a phone, right? Is this the new one? Is this, no, it's not. It's a, I love how, how Apple sells you new phones that you have to buy all new chargers to charge them with. I mean, they, it's not the... It's, it's, this is important, though, right? If, if you left it here, would you come back and get it? What if you had to drive an hour? Would you still come back and get it? How about two? See, what we, what we prize, we take care of. See, Kiefer, what we prize, we take care of. You, you know, most people cherish their phone more they do their peace. Most of us would. We'd drive an hour or two to go get our phone. But we won't apologize to get our peace back. We, we won't forgive one another to get our peace back. Are you feeling this yet? I think Joseph cherished his peace more than he did revenge on those that sold him into slavery, those that forgot him in the prison. He knew that that peace would keep him. So he focused on the blessing more than the betrayal. And by focusing on the blessing more than the betrayal, he kept his peace. And by keeping his peace, he was empowered to fulfill the dream. Did you get this? Are you getting this? If we worry like the rest of the world worries, how are we going to win the world that worries just like we worry? The world's to see us living in such peace. I'm convinced that Joseph got took, but never taken. Don't get taken by those thoughts that would come to rob you of your peace. Don't get taken by those things. Stay focused on the blessing that God gave to Adam and refired in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That blessing that Paul would write, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, that the blessing of Abraham might come.
Man, live in the blessing. And just because you go through trials and tribulations, don't question that you're blessed. Just stay focused. Lay hold of those thoughts before they lay hold of you. Stop spinning. Maybe this isn't you, but I am a world-class warrior. I really am. Just to be honest with you, I can worry about... Maybe you don't, but I... I can wake up in the morning and already be spinning. Right? Can I tell you something I've learned? Worship will reverse your worry. Something I've learned. Uh, I keep my iPhone right there because I can reach over and I hit it the minute I wake. In fact, it goes off at 6.20 something. And when it goes off, it starts on Elevation Worship or Bethel Worship or Hillsong's Worship. Because I know my, 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 my default is to be concerned. Right? You can reverse your worry with worship. That's why people say, well, why do you sing when they first come there? Well, we're trying to reverse the worry that's on your lives. And so it takes two or three songs, and sometimes it's really thick, so we sing a little longer, <laughs> trying to get you spinning. The... Right? You can reverse your worry by worship. I wonder how many times Joseph sat in those places and just rehearsed the dream. Father, I pray this morning that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart has brought peace to the people that have listened to me. I pray this morning that you'll impart something beyond my words. That, Lord, you'd awaken dreams. That you'd stop the spin and reverse it. And that peace would be granted to each one in this room. 